it's amazing to be getting to this stage of the the campaign in the FA Cup and still having teams like Grimsby and Blackburn Rovers and Man United still in it. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Referees Tanker. Um, I'm joined on the line tonight by Bob and by Marty. We're going to go over the big results north of the border and south in the English Premier League. On the north, we had the Scottish Cup quarterfinals over the, the Friday through Monday and obviously the full fixture list down south. We'll cover over the main talking points. So, um, north, we had um, Craig Levine's comments about a Scottish Premiership that would be better off without Celtic and Rangers. And obviously Steve Clark released his latest Scotland squad for the double header against Cyprus and Spain in a couple of weeks' time. So we'll start up in Scotland, um, where Shannon says we had the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. On Friday night, Kilmarnock, the Premiership team, travelled up to Inverness and were beaten 2-1. Celtic were quite comfortable winners against Hearts on the Saturday with a 3-0 win at Tencastle. Similarly, the Rangers, comfortable winners over Wraith Rovers, 3-0 on the Sunday at Ibrox. And Monday night, seen Falkirk dispatch Championship Air United 2-1. Um, semi-final draws being made, and it is Rangers versus Celtic, and Inverness, Caledonian Thistle versus Falkirk. But we can go over that in a bit more detail later on. Um, down in England, we had a full list of fixtures. On the Saturday, we've seen Bournemouth beat Liverpool 1-0 with their own Mystic Marty coming up with that one. To kind of how crazy English football is, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool go to Bournemouth and get beat. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. it yep. wouldn't surprise me. They'll go for tucking mine, tucking mine away 7-0 and then going to Bournemouth and getting beat. It wouldn't <laughs> surprise me one bit. Um, Everton beat Brentford 1-0. Leeds United and Brighton shared four goals between them with a 2-2 draw. Leicester were beaten 3-1 by Chelsea. Spurs beat Nottingham Forest 3-1 at home. And Manchester City beat Palace away from home 1-0. On the Sunday, Arsenal won 3-0 against Fulham in quite a comprehensive win. Man United and Southampton drew 0-0. Score for West Ham and Aston Villa who drew one each. And Newcastle beat Wolverhampton and Wanderers 2-1. Now, as far as the quarterfinals, did you guys watch any of them? I mean, it's a Mickey Mouse club anyway, isn't it? Nobody cares about <laughs> how we're out of it. Did you guys catch any of the highlights or see any of the games? Watched Hearts and Celtic. What you um, mean, I thought Celtic were very, very comfortable. Uh, more comfortable than actually. I thought they were going to be. I expected a lot more for Hearts, to be honest. Uh, and... I'd imagine before the game, Robbie Nielsen would probably be saying, don't concede early, stay in the game as long as possible, and they concede after two minutes. And they concede again right on half-time, and that just that just kills the tie stone dead. Yeah. And the second half is a, non, a non-event. non The third goal didn't make really much difference. And if if you ever wanted a comfortable afternoon at, at Tynecastle and Celtic, got that on Saturday, more yeah. than comfortable. Did you say there was any surprise results? I know Kilmarnock being Premiership against... Championship uh, Inverness or Falkirk League One against Championship Air United. Any real results that you didn't see coming? I don't know. I think um, I wouldn't have called them surprise results. Those are harder games being the the higher 
division team going to the lower division team. Awkward conditions. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't feel like they were surprised. Kelly getting beat for Inverness. I mean, is it really a surprise? Really? I mean, it's a good win for Inverness, but I don't think Embry would have been gobsmacked by the result. Same with Ayr and Falkirk. I think if Ayr came away with the win after Chris Maguire had a chance to, to nick it with the penalty, I don't think Folk would have been... Again, I don't think Folk would have been massively surprised, but then Folk would have come to the other end and getting the winner again. Yeah, I wasn't surprised by either result, to be honest with you. On, yeah. on paper, uh, there are surprises, but in reality, in, in the reality, really. exactly, they're not. They're not really. They're not but from what I've seen, from what I've seen in Inverness and Kamara game, I didn't see. I didn't see a lot. I've seen the goals, but what I've, from what I've read, uh, Inverness more than deserved to win. And I've seen most of the Falkirk Air game last night. And again, in my opinion, the better team won. So, all four quarterfinals have been won by the better team. Yeah, and definitely. Down south this weekend, do we need to talk about them, boys? I mean, it was all covered on Match of the Day. It was all analysed pretty thoroughly, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that 20-minute run-through. It was brilliant, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, do it every so week. Bad, eh? <laughs> oh, <it's so> <laughs> <laughs> do you guys see any of the games? Um, seen I've seen bits of the Bournemouth-Liverpool game. I was, obviously, I was watching the Hearts of the game at the same time. Yeah. Um, the goal that Bournemouth scored, the defence... Van Dyke, what's he doing? And Alexander Arnold, ball watching. I mean, the boy Billing that scores the goal, you can see he just wanders into the box, nowhere near him, no midfielders near him. I think the closest defender was Alexander Arnold, and he's four yards away, just stands and watches, and there you go, tap in, yep. and you lose. So, yeah, Trent doing Trent things, though. Eh? It's just funny, like I said last week, English football just doesn't surprise you anymore. Good result for Everton against Brentford, though, wasn't it? Fantastic. And a clean sheet to go with it. I think it, we, we said, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago when Dyche did take over, that we, it was imperative that they started to stop um, conceding goals at the back. Clean sheets would give you a chance to then progress to pick up one, if not three points. And I'm pretty sure that even last week's when we said that there was a chance for them to get three. Um, I hope Brentford is a, a winnable game. But great result. Um, I think it, it does give them a chance to not kick on because obviously we've seen the bottom the bottom nine in the tables separated by so little points. But it gives you a winning feeling going into the following game rather than trying to go and get a result when we didn't expect it away from home. Eh? So, yeah, good result. Really good result. I think yeah. it's just mad how there is so little between the teams. I mean, usually by this stage of the season, you're looking at at least one team thinking they're definitely down. But it just seems that every single week, one of the teams at the bottom of the league or towards the bottom of the league pick up a, a surprise and win or they go in a couple of matches where they pick up a couple of results. So Yeah. Yeah, look yeah. at the bottom of the table, mate. From Palace in 12th to Southampton in 20th, there is five points over nine teams. Yeah. Well, that's pretty close to be fair. You can't call it. You can't call the relegation at the moment. You can't say for certain that one team is going to go down. No. I know three are going to go, and you you can't you cannot predict who the three teams are going to be. It's impossible. Yeah, it's so close between these nine teams that Liam just said. You can't say that one team is so certain to go down because they just pick up results every week. It just changes every week, and it's going to go right to the last day. It wouldn't surprise me going into the last day of the season that it's down to maybe it could be like five or six teams could still go down on the last day to fill three to fill three spots. Yes, yeah, that would just surprise me. That would be amazing. 
So having a look at the league table, we've still got Arsenal on top with a five-point gap after both them and Man City won at the weekend. Man United, nine points behind City now, although they've got a game in hand. I think that's any chat of a, a possible title challenge now out the window. Yeah. Um, and as you said, bottom of the table, the bottom, what, eight teams separated by five points. It's, it's absolutely incredible. We now move on to the big talking points of the week. Um, Shan, at the start of the programme, you said the, the two big ones we'll be covering, which is the Scotland squad, which was announced today. Um, three goalkeepers, none of them with any caps to their name at all. Any other surprises when the squads, guys? I think if you look at the squad, it's it's a tried and trusted squad. It's players that he trusts, the players that he knows. Um, the, the one thing that would worry me, it is strong, every position, the, the full-backs were strong, centre-halves, midfield, forwards were quite strong. The one thing that would worry me is is the lack of wingers in the squad. No natural width, you're only asking for your full-backs to give you width because there's no natural wingers in that squad, which would worry me a little bit. But it's, it's a strong squad. Uh, tried and trusted, like I said. Um is there anybody in there? But Kevin Nisbet could have possibly got in there, but he's only just come back. Uh, no, no real surprises in that squad for me. No, no, I agree. I think uh, he said himself that he wants to build a, like a consistency throughout the squad with the same players, same idea, same methods. They know exactly what's expected when they turn up for for Scotland duty. I mean, I'm still a bit. The jury's out on like inclusion of somebody like Jacob Brown. Uh, hasn't exactly had the heights work, uh, playing for Stoke five no. goals this season I think in 31 appearances when you've got Nisbet I know Shanklin's no fit but Shanklin would be in my squad as well when he's fully fit I know he's picked up a knock recently for Hearts but those two sitting gathering um, splinters on their backsides playing at their clubs when the national team were out playing when we're looking for goal scorers I don't know uh, it's the only one thing I would say is that there was somebody better than Jacob Brown that you could have filled the, the, that front line with uh, I know he gives you something different with a bit more pace, yeah, uh, as opposed to Dykes and Adams. But I feel like Nisbet or where I fully fit Shanklin is involved, they've got to be better options. What about goalkeeper wise? Who do you reckon will get the the nod as number one? Uh, for me, I'll switch them. I think it'll be Angus Gunn. So he's made all this effort to get him to get him to switch allegiances. Uh, and he didn't do all that if you're not going to have him as your number one. Uh, I think he will be the number one goalkeeper. And I'm, I'm the, I, that, that doesn't, I'm quite happy with that. I'd be happy if Xander Clark was number one. But I think it's going to be Angus Gunn. Um, yeah, I agree. I think um, Steve Clark has obviously put an, an awful lot of effort into to gather um, enough evidence to show that he wants to play for Scotland. I know that people will, will say, well, oh, you know what, he was. Um, happy enough to like tweets about football coming home for England and Scotland going home and all that kind of like childish kind of Twitter social media activity. But Steve Clark is a, is a pretty thorough man when he gets, if you want somebody to play for Scotland that isn't Scottish born, if he feels that they're not going to give everything to the cause, you notice that when all the players now, they all sing the national anthem. There's yeah. no player that I don't know the words or I'm only here because I'm, I can't play for England. If he thinks that you're not going to do a job for him, you will not play. No, simple as that. So that's yep. why I think he's put an awful lot of effort into getting his gun. 
Um, what I've seen of him at times, in all fairness, is no better than what we've already got. So if I do get Xander Glark in goals ahead of him, I will not be disappointed. He's more than capable, extremely solid and dependable, I'd imagine. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, the other thing that's come out up in Scotland this week was Craig Levine saying that the Scottish Premiership would flourish without Rangers or Celtic. Now, obviously, none of us are Rangers or Celtic fans. None of us have any kind words to say about them. That's probably me being as diplomatically no, on the fence as I could possibly be. Yeah. Um, but what do you boys, what, what's your stance on it? Competitive-wise, that would be good. It would make it a lot more interesting. Um, not just the same team winning all the time. Uh, you'd have Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen, other teams involved that would think they could win stuff. Every team, actually. Every team in SPL can beat each other on their day. And they'd all think they'd have chances of winning silverware if Rangers and Celtic won there. Competitive-wise, definitely. Financial-wise, it would worry me because Rangers and Celtic basically make up the finances of Scottish football. You take them away. I mean, Sky would lose. I think Sky would lose interest. BT would lose interest, and then the money would would dwindle. There wouldn't be as much money in in, in the in the SPL without them. Uh, so I think it works both ways. I think competitive, yep. Financial, it would worry me a little bit, but I don't even think that will happen. I don't think Rangers are to go ever leave Scottish football. So it's I, I can see his, his point in his comments, and he's not the first person to come out with it. But I personally can't see it happening, but. I can see why he's saying it. Shan? Yeah, I feel as if it's a double-edged sword because as much as we will complain that there's not as much competitiveness within the league due to Celtic and Rangers holding so much power over the other 10 teams in the league, if you take them away, you also lose their financial backing. Therefore, like Marty says... Um, BT and Sky would both lose interest because you don't get the spotlight of the old firm games. Celtic coming to Tiny, Rangers coming to Easter Road, harder games on the road that would spotlight the league. Because when that money goes, the caliber of player would also go down because therefore nobody's going to come to the the Scottish Premiership on the basis that there is no Celtic and Rangers. I, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the players wouldn't come because it's all about Celtic Rangers. I'm just saying that. If you're playing there twice a season potentially at Parkhead and at Ibrox, it does incentivise players to come to this league. And then you'd also lose the coefficient. Therefore, the teams that win the league wouldn't be going anywhere near the Champions League. They wouldn't be going anywhere near the Europa League in time. They'd be lucky if they get a, like a, a Europa Conference spot. Yep. The cup winners wouldn't get anything. It would start to turn into... I'm not saying we, we can't see it in the future and determine how it would actually pan out. Um, but you'd would you find yourself going to the level of a League of Wales, Northern Ireland? I don't think so. I think it's better than that. But we can't really see how it's going to pan out if they were to leave and take their money and their support with them. I think the league would be. I think the fans would be more like, more interested because I feel like there's a genuine chance or teams to win the league, and with Celtic and Rangers in it or not, if Hibs were to win the league, St Johnston for you, Bob, Hearts, Aberdeen, Dungeon United. I think folk would still be absolutely buzzing to see their team winning the league. But you're winning it with an asterisk, effectively, that you're only winning it because the two big boys are no longer there. They took their bags of money and the support and they buggered off down south. But then the yeah. flip side of that, before I let Bob take his, his piece, I feel like, who says England won them? 
who says that England want the trouble that comes with those fans? Now, I'm not saying that every Celtic and every Rangers fan is as troublesome as the media up here and other clubs deem them to be. But they've not exactly got a brilliant reputation, especially Rangers when they travel. Everyone knows it. It's not common knowledge and I'm not bashing them. That's just factual. Everywhere they go, there seems to be trouble. And that's not just coincidence. Now, who says they go down south and everyone wants to accommodate them? Yeah. Now, and again, where are they starting? Are they starting in the, the League 2, in League 1? They can't just displace teams. So what exactly, where exactly are we going with this? Because if, like, I know from our point of view, we would see if they left, the league would become competitive and yada yada. But they're stuck in no man's land where they're too big for us, but they'd be too small effectively to for the Premier League to start. They'd have to start basically do a Rangers and start in the bottom tier and work their way up. Now that's It just breeds too many too many complications, I feel. I just Like Marty said, I don't think they'll ever leave. I think it'll be a constant battle of, we are too small to catch up with them, but they're not wanted and they're too big for the rest of us. That's what I think. Fair, Fair point, enough. mate. Fair yeah. point, yeah. My take on it is that it's covering pretty much the same ground as you guys have already covered. I think it would become more competitive. But you're right, the, the spotlight that we get with Rangers and Celtic being in the league would be diminished. Uh, I think that TV deals, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not like it's crazy money we're talking about, like down south with TV, TV deals. But it's still a black hole that clubs would then have to try and plug. Yeah. The quality of the league might go down. But my, my one thing is looking forward would be that would it end up flourishing? Now, it might be a bit of a hurt for a few years with less money. But once teams got used to the, the drop in money, would the competitiveness of the league? So if Hibs were going for the league, would they be selling out Easter Road? Every single week, same up in the Pataudry, Tynecastle, even the smaller clubs, would they start filling their stadiums more? Would people be more entertained with the fact that there's a chance you, you you could win the league? I mean, just now, anyone who thinks they could win the league, you'll never ever get a Leicester from 2015, was it? Yeah, not in this country. Ha- never happened in Scotland. No, no. Never, ever, ever going to happen. No. I think the, the best that any club could ever wish for, and I still don't think it would ever happen, would be to split the old form. Yep. But again, I just don't see that happening. I think the the size of them. So if you had a more competitive league, would you get more seats on the bums in stadiums with it being a bit more exciting? Uh, you still get, I mean, North Scotland, We've you look at it, we very rarely buy people in from abroad. So in terms of getting people to come into the country, a lot of the people in Scotland that's either from lower leagues in England that we get up here or it's homegrown players that we get. So, yeah. I feel like it would benefit the youth. I think if if, if, that would be the one thing I'd say, that going forward, if the big boys weren't there, it would encourage a lot of teams to restructure their how their finances looked and how they're um how they're gonna to plan to go forward. Because like you said, we don't we, we couldn't afford to bring in any any players of any real caliber. First of all, attracting them would be one thing, but also having the money to generate the fees would be a different thing. Therefore yeah. you you would be you would be forced arguably I don't think it'd be a bad thing for the Scottish national team in terms of a lot more youth players would get a lot more minutes and therefore a lot more exposure, therefore a lot more moves around 
the other leagues in Europe, especially down there. <laughs> but and I still think the biggest players as well, the best players, would still go to a different country and play their trade at the highest. Yes. So yes. yeah, totally right. Yeah. Right. Um, so we'll move on from that. We'll have a quick look at the managerial merry-go-round, which seems to be stuck just now because we've not had anyone sacked this week. Managers that might be getting a bit worried. Yeah. Um, who do we reckon? Moyes at West Ham. Brendan Rodgers at Leicester. I think. Um, I think those two are definitely valid. The one thing, one that we didn't talk about off air was actually the one that. They're not immediately in relegation danger because they're probably the pack, the top of that pack of nine, and the bottom is Patrick Vieira at Crystal Palace. Now I think he's got a lot of clout with the fans. I think the fans are more than happy about how he's conducted himself as manager of Crystal Palace. But they haven't, they haven't, they're they're running the goal scorers. They're not hitting the back of the net, and they've just found themselves getting dragged into that little um, relegation battle down the bottom. They yeah. haven't been as they haven't been as good this season, Crystal Palace, no. for for one reason or another. But I don't. Th- I don't think he's. I don't think he's in any danger at Crystal Palace. I don't think so. But unless he's relegated, I think it's at least worth monitoring because, like we said before, it's getting to this stage of the season where, if you don't make a change now, it might be too late to save your Premier League chances. And chairman, as we know, up and down the country, get extremely trigger happy this time of year, and yeah. they make rash decisions based on, oh shit, we might not have our Premier League status soon, and they. Yeah. they it happens every single season where somebody will get moved on where you didn't expect it. And it's just, I've just noticed the Palace are just not clicking. Despite having weapons up front, they're just not scoring enough goals. Um, and like I said, I think that although they're not in immediate danger because they are at the top of that little pack of nine down the bottom, they aren't looking, they're not looking particularly healthy in front of goal. Is it still that Steve Parrish that's the... The decision maker at Crystal Palace, or is it somebody else now? Well, no, you're asking a question. <laughs> I've no idea when it comes to ownership, mate. Sorry, yeah, I'm not sure on that one. To be honest, I think it might be still him, but I think he's still involved at some stage. But I'm not sure in terms yeah. of his, his actual clout anymore. But I think it's just worth mentioning. We said Rogers and we said Moyes. They're obvious ones. Where Leicester and West Ham have both struggled to get away from the drop zone, but Palace are not exactly doing themselves a lot of favour, especially in front of in front yeah. of goal. Running at goal scorers, so they they've, definitely dropped, they've definitely dropped their levels this season. Palace are not as good as they were last right. year. They need a fully fit fire and will. Let's be serious. Bands yeah. a baller, eh? The other one I want to talk about just quickly is Conte at Tottenham. Now, results wise, he's still picking up results, but his contract comes to end at the end of the season. Yeah. Doesn't look like he's going to stay on. Do you think they will switch manager? towards the end of the season my only thinking is that Harry Kane moves into the last year of his contract and if you're trying to convince Harry Kane to stay you're going to have to have a plan for next season now by the time Conte leaves and they look at bringing another manager in and I just think that they want to really start the ball rolling if there's no real chance of them making Champions League or it becomes a bit of a stalemate towards the end of the season. Do they let him go early and try and get the new manager in for the last couple of games to get a feel for it? What do you guys reckon? I don't think they'll get rid of him before the end of the season. And I think, in my personal opinion, I don't know this for a fact, obviously, I think discussions have already taken place between him and his representatives and the Tottenham board. And it's probably been already mutually agreed that he won't be there next season. 
Yeah, and they've just they just haven't released it publicly. But and behind the scenes, they know and he knows that this will be it for him at Tottenham, and he'll be away in the summer. And they're all probably looking at discussions for new managers next season. I'd imagine. I think Luis Enrique was one of the names I heard earlier, but Poch has been mentioned as Pochettino well. Pochettino going back. Yep, uh, but I, I don't think they'll get rid of them before the end of the season. And I still think it's a possibility they could qualify for the Champions League. Although if you're Tottenham, it's probably a waste of time. Um, uh, I I think he'll be there until the summer, and then he'll be away. He'll back back to Italy somewhere. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like whilst the Champions League is still within their own grasp, but it's not with the realms of possibility. I, I think that they're, they're they're definitely just treading water just now. They're not looking like they're going to hammer anybody. They don't look like they're even forming a a style of play under Connie. He looks bereft of ideas, they look like they're tired of him I think the marriage has most definitely ran its course, so I don't I, I mean, I put I put the house on it that he won't be there come the start yeah. of next season but whilst the Champions League is still within grasp I think they'll keep him around but mm-hmm. believe me, it would not shock us if they decided that you know what, you're going like Bob said, if, if you've got to start thinking about keeping Harry Kane we need to entice him to stay you need to start yeah. putting that ball rolling early doors. I don't think Daniel Levy brings back Pochettino unless he, he swallows his own pride because the man is rich for a reason. He doesn't make decisions then double back on himself and admit that he was wrong. He's not the kind of guy you can see it. He's yeah. never going to admit that he made a mistake with Pochettino and shouldn't have sacked him. Although we all know it because we went through Nuno and Jose and Conte and none of them have worked. So if Pochettino came back, I think the players would be in, would be absolutely buzzing. I think Kane would be. I think Son would be. I think the fans would be. But I don't know if Levy actually goes through with that kind of rehiring of Pochettino. But Spurs are a farce and they, they need to get the season over and done with and try to rebuild. Yeah. And the last thing I want to talk about, guys, in terms of um, big topics this week, and this will just be a quick, quick one. Casemiro's red card uh, the weekend against Southampton. Did you boys both see it? What do you yes. make of it? Yes. Uh, for me, it's a one hundred percent red card. Yep. It, I'm. I'm not. I can't defend him because he dives in. He shows his studs. He's, he goes over the ball and he catches him. Now, fair enough. The referee's given him a yellow. He thinks it's a yellow. The guy in the in the VR. Obviously, gets him over, and he looks at, it and it's 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 a red card. He's been absolutely bright this season, but see when he makes decisions like that. No, you can't be doing things like that. I'm sorry, but I'm looking yeah. at how good you are. He's he's if he had stayed on the pitch, eleven v eleven, I think man, he'd win that game. And even then, they could have won it with ten. But you can't tackle like that. The referees are going to punish you for that. Yeah, red sure. card, red card all day long. I agree. I think uh, the tackle is excessive force, shows his studs. Although he plants his foot on the ball as he makes contact with the tackle. I mean, we, we know we can't stop momentum, I get it. But the way he's went in, could he not went in in a better method? That He's opened himself up to a decision that the referee's been able to give him a red card. He could have made the tackle with a better... What am I trying to say? He went in with... The shape of the, the stud and the, the 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 force of the tackle gave the referee an option and gave the referee a choice to make. If you don't go in like that, you can still win the ball without putting yourself in that position to be sent off. I think it's red. Yeah. The only I, thing, I, sorry, Bob. No, no, on you go. 
the only uh, the only thing that that bugs me is inconsistencies of the referees. Yes, fair enough. He's given the red card for Casemiro. But if you look at the Leicester Chelsea game on Saturday, there was there was two incidents or three incidents. There was one where that da- as Daniel and Marty's cleared the ball, and he's followed through with his foot and he's caught Kai Havertz on the chest with his studs. And it, Kai Havertz lifts his top up, and you can see the red marks right across his chest. It's like he's been slashed by a lion. Yeah. And nothing was done about it. And now there's a one a tackle on Jao Felix, I think. I don't know who it was. It might have been a Marty again, actually. Or was it in Didi? It was one of the two. Didi, I think it was one. He's caught, he's went for the ball, he's missed the ball, and he's caught Felix right down the side of the shin, above the ankle. Nothing done about it. And the referee in that game was Andre Marner. And Andre Marner was the, was the VR for the Minus Southampton game, and he advised. Anthony Taylor to send off Casemiro. This is the same referee that two days before wouldn't they send somebody for studding somebody in the chest and catching somebody above the ankle. That's the inconsistencies. That's the problem with the referees. No, I agree. Fair no, enough. Because it's Casemiro's right. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But the, the day before, the same referee has let two tackles like that go. And then the next day, he thinks that Casemiro's in a red card. It's inconsistencies. Unbelievable with English referees. It's terrible. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree that Casemiro with a red card, and what I was about to say, Mark, is exactly the same as what you said, the, the inconsistencies of it all. My only thing that I can think about is if Andrew Marners looked back at it and thought to himself, nah, they were the they were definitely red cards. The one on Joe Felix and the one on Kai Havertz were red cards. I probably should have said something, and then when it comes to the game the next day, that he then... That's the reason maybe he's, he's then picked up then thinking he can't keep Aye. making these mistakes as oh. mistakes, judgment. Yeah. I'm glad he feels better then. <laughs> <laughs> and just as a quick talking point as well, we, and we talked about the Scottish Cup semi-final draw um, with Rangers and Celtic playing each other and Inverness versus Falkirk. What did you boys make of that draw? Uh, I was actually shocked that Rangers and Celtic were drawn together. Uh, I'm not sure who was it that came out first. Was it Celtic that came out first or was it Rangers? I think it was Rangers. It was Rangers. Yeah, and, and I think Rangers were number four. When they came out, I turned to Liam and I said, this won't be Celtic. I'd be shocked if it's Celtic. And when Celtic came out, you actually look at Colin Hendry's face when he pulls, this, pulls Celtic out. He turns and looks to the right and he goes that way, he puts his eyebrows up as if say, oops. <laughs> There'd be probably somebody looking at him off camera going, no, you what have you wrong, done? Exactly. You picked the wrong balls, you dummy. Uh, do you, you know reckon, I mean? do you think Rangers will be happy playing Celtic in the semi or do you think they would have wanted to get to the final? Nah, I think they're happy enough to play them in the semi. Uh, you look at, look at the record of them in the semi-finals against each other and Rangers are actually better. Like I can, The ones I can remember Last season, Scottish Cup, Rangers just wanted it more. If you, I think that when they get to the final, Celtic are so clinical. When yeah. it comes to finals, I feel like they're they're almost unbeatable. I think Rangers, if they're going to beat them, this is it. But let's be serious. Irrespective of the draw, whoever gets to the final is going to win at least 5 nothing against the other team. Sorry, Inverness yeah. fans and Falkirk fans, but we all know what's happening here. And it's not a victory for your team. It's just not. I think I, another thing you've got to look at is the Falkirk-Inverness semi-final. Fair play to both of them for getting this far. And them drawing each other is, is the draw they wanted. But surely the SFA have got to look at the think logically here. Don't play don't play Falkirk and Inverness at Hamden. Because nah. you'll be lucky, you'll be lucky if you get fifteen, sixteen thousand at that game. Why not play at Tyncastle or Easter Road? 
you'll get 15 or 16,000 in one of those grounds and the atmosphere will be so much better. I mean, if you have that at Hamden, you're going to have three quarters, of, well, near three quarters of Hamden will be empty yep. for a major cup semi-final. Think logically, play at Tynecastle or Easter Road, the atmosphere will be so much better. I think both teams will be quite happy to do that. My, my one thing is that it's the semi-final of a cup, you know, the National Cup and going to Hamden is part of it. I think if there's empty seats, there'll be empty seats. But you've also got yeah. two teams that will be going there thinking that they've got a real chance of progressing to the final of the Scottish Cup. So, yeah. in terms of fan-wise, don't get me wrong, you're never ever going to get a sellout. Don't get me wrong with that one. No. But I still think that you, you might get a, a decent bit of support through, and depending on how they, they structure the ticket sales, I'm guessing they're going to have to do the same for what they do for the semi-final between them and the semi-final team Rangers and Celtic. Yeah. So they can cut the price and get a load of neutrals in. Yeah. Um, I can see it from that point of view right now. But yeah, I can I can also see it from your point of view as well, Marty, where yeah. you play at a time castle, you get all the fans in the stadium, you almost fill the stadium and there's a much better atmosphere. Yep, exactly. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Rangers getting Celtic in the semi-final, I think they will be delighted with that. Yeah. Not only the fact they've got a better record over in the semi-final, but if you can imagine going to that game, say range, say the, the legal have already been finished by that point by the time it gets to the final, so there's a good chance Celtic will have the double. If Celtic get an, an early couple of goals, it almost goes into party mode, and you're having to sit in that stadium looking at them going for the treble against you. I think I'd, if I was watching my... Arts nemesis win a treble. I think I'd rather be sat in the house, hidden behind something, rather than in the same stadium as them as they won it. So I think uh, that brings us on nicely. Looking at the the Man City game just now, I can see snow coming down at the Etihad. So let's travel to some warmer climates. What's been happening in Spain this week, Shan? This week. In La Liga, match day 25 started off on Friday night with a 2-2 draw between Cadiz and Hitafe, which featured the latest goal in La Liga history, with Enes Unal scoring an equalising penalty to make it 2-2 for Getafe in the 106th minute. <laughs> it was 90 plus 16 when the goal was scored, the latest goal in La Liga history. Other goal, other games of note was Real Madrid came from behind to beat Espanyol 3-1 at the Bernabeu. We've seen Valencia pick up a much-needed 1-0 win against Osasuna at the Mestalla thanks to a goal from Justin Clivert, not Patrick, I was about to say. Um, <laughs> Sevilla defeated Almeria after coming from behind to win 2-1. And Villarreal and Betis drew 1-1 on the Sunday. That was followed up by the late game which was Athletic Club nil Barcelona one goal scored by by Rafinha just on the stroke of half time that leaves the lead the league sorry with still Barcelona nine points clear of their rivals Real Madrid at the top and the bottom three Elche Almeria and Hitafe but it's very close cuz Valencia Cadiz Espanyol Valladolid Sevilla are all within one win of the bottom three mad, isn't it? Very close, mate. Sorry, Shan, just quickly as well. I don't know whether you boys seen it. There was a game in Bolivia over the weekend and the winning, the, the game finished 3-2 with the winning goal coming in the 
90 plus 38th minute. 38? <laughs> there was an equaliser to make it 2-2, I think, in the 90 plus 26th minute. There was two sending-offs for the team that lost. Um, so I'm not sure what happened in the game, but uh, 90 plus 38 minute. Goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, what's happening in Italy, mate? Uh, the latest round of results started on Friday last week uh, in Milan. A very disappointing 2-1 defeat to Spezia, a game which had three penalties. Um, and from an Inter point of view, a very, very disappointing result. Uh, Saturday, we had Napoli's, Napoli's train. Is, well, it was slightly derailed last week, but it's back on the full tracks this week. Choo-choo! <laughs> um, they're 2-0. They beat Atalanta 2-0, and Lazio drew 0-0 with... Bologna Sunday saw Fiorentina record a 2 1 against Cremonese. Roma and Sassuolo played a seven goal thriller, which Sassuolo won 4 3 in Rome, which included a red card for Roma. And Juventus, a six goal thriller with Sampdoria, they were 2 0 up and eventually won 4 2. Fixture, uh, oh, sorry, Monday we had AC Milan drew 1 1 with Salernitana. AC Milan had a chance to go second and they dropped two points, so this, they remain below in, our, in the league. Uh, fixtures coming up this week, starting on Friday. As it's Friday, Friday we have Sassuolo against Spezia, Atalanta against Empoli. Uh, Sunday, there's two massive fixtures in the league uh, Lazio against Roma, and later on, Inter Milan against Juventus. And Napoli also play on Sunday against Torino looking to extend their lead to 312 points. <laughs> uh, the league at the moment, Napoli are 18 points ahead in with 12 games to go. Lazio are third on 49, AC Milan fourth on 48, Roma and Atlanta in the Europa League spots. Juventus are just outside that, they're seventh. The bottom three, Verona are third bottom on 19, Cremonese and Sampdoria second bottom and bottom respectively on 12 points. They look doomed. Uh, Verona might still have a chance of getting out. So that's the uh, latest from... Italy. And Marty, as I promised, I've got a wee fact for you. Oh, here we go. Um, Sampdoria's last win yes. was at the end of last season in May, where they won 4-1 at home. So uh-huh. last last home win was 4-1. Uh-huh. This season, they've not even scored four goals at home in the league so far. <clears throat> and we're in March. They've only scored three goals at home all season. They've only scored 13 goals in total all season. That's madness, bad. isn't it? That's poor. three goals. Imagine three. paying for a season ticket and you get three goals. Yeah, they've actually put the prices up for next season. <laughs> uh, yeah, but three goals all season. Their last one was May when they won wow. by four goals. Well, they won 4 1. So, in that one game, they scored more goals. They've not won since then and they've not scored as many oh. goals since then in total. Dear me. Dear me. So, Sham, what's been happening in Germany? So, match day 24, games of note at the bottom and top of the league. Bayern beat Augsburg 5-3 in a pretty entertaining game. Um, their title chasers, Dortmund, drew 2-2 away to Schalke in the Ruhr Derby, which is a bit of a disappointment for Dortmund dropping points behind Bayern. The three teams behind Leipzig won 3-0. Freiburg won 2-1 and Union Berlin's title chases petering out with a 1-1 draw away at Wolfsburg. The teams down the bottom, Hoffenheim did get beat 2-1 from Freiburg in that game and Schalke got um, a 2-2 draw with Dortmund in the, the aforementioned Ruhr Derby. 
So the top of the table is Bayern ahead of Dortmund by two, 52 to 50. Three teams on 45, Leipzig, Berlin, Union Berlin and uh, Freiburg on 45. And the two teams in the relegation spots right now are Hoffenheim have slipped to the bottom, Schalke on 20, just one point ahead of them. And the playoff spot is Stuttgart. But we look ahead to this weekend's fixture, or this week's fixture, I should say. Um, so we'll start up in Scotland. On the Saturday, we have a full card of fixtures. The early kickoff is Motherwell home to Rangers at 12.30. And all our games are three o'clock kickoffs, with Aberdeen playing at home to Hearts. Hibs travel to Celtic Park to play against Celtic. Dundee United are home to St Mirren. Kilmarnock are at home to St Johnston. And Ross County travel down to Livingston. Um, we'll cover the English ones as well just now while we're at it. Um, on Wednesday night, we have Brighton at home to Crystal Palace and Southampton at home to Brentford. The Friday evening match sees Nottingham Forest host Newcastle United. And on the Saturday, we have Aston Villa against Bournemouth, Brentford at home to Leicester, Spurs travel down to St Mary's to play Southampton. We have Wolves against Leeds United, and in the evening kickoff, it's Chelsea at home to Everton, and that's before Sunday sees Arsenal at home to Crystal Palace. Now, starting with the Scottish fixtures, any of them sticking out for you guys? You guys are going to the the Celtic Kibs game, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, we are. Yeah, glutton for punishment. I think. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a long day for Hibs. Um, I kind of. I think we'll score, but I, I think we'll. I think we'll lose by two, maybe three. Celtic are just on fire at the moment and nobody's stopping them. Nobody's stopping them at all. But it'll be a good day, hopefully. Yeah. Um, the the games in Scotland, Killy and Dungeon United have got chances to pick up points. Not to say that St John's will be in a rollover above, but they've got they've got chances to pick up points at home. Dungeon United at home is a mirror and Killy at home is St Johnston. It offers chances to get points, especially Dungeon Eater and Dyer need the points now. So I think that they're running out of games, they're running out of chances to, to, to claw back in. So, huge game for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think outside of the, the Rangers and Celtic games, I said that Motherwell have been on a, a decent wee run of form. Um, yeah, it's quite hard to call all the games. I mean, Livingston are home to Ross County, can't be an easy one to call. Nope. Um, that says Dundee United at home St Mirren could really go either way I mean they've had a, a week off both teams now to get ready for this game but yeah it's, it's interesting ones what about down south any games uh, sticking out apart from the cup ties the cup ties are quarter final stage a good chance to get to Wembley for the semis um, and the, the league it's an hour chance for Arsenal to take a step closer to Winning the league title. Um, the other games are they're quite close. To, like Wolves are playing Leeds. Is that right? Wolves are Leeds. Leeds. Yeah, that's, that's a big good. game. That's yeah. a massive game for Leeds and for Wolves. Really, um, every game now between the end of the season is for every club. Every near enough every club's got something to play for. Still, just about. So, ah, some big games, some hard games to call. Leeds can't really afford to get beat against Wolves. I don't think so. I, I think there's loads of like yeah. odd games. I think Bournemouth have got to travel to Villa. Hard game. Hard game. Leicester have got to travel to Brentford. Hard game. Yeah. 
Southampton, th- Southampton will look at Spurs at home and think they can maybe get something out of that game. All right. 100%. Wolves and Leeds, very close. I don't see Everton getting much from Chelsea away, although you never know. And now yeah. um, Arsenal play on the Sunday. Is that correct? Yeah. Arsenal play on the Sunday while and Man City are playing the Cup. Yeah. So there's a chance to extend your, your lead again. Mm-hmm. So, again, like Marty said, massive game for Arsenal. You'd expect them to pick up three at home. Yeah. But the games are just getting more and more important. More pressure, huge. If they can pick up three at Hopeme Palace, you've got to fancy them to start kind of getting closer and closer. Seeing that finishing line, yeah, big time. Yep. And as as you alluded to there as well, Marty, there's the FA Cup this weekend with on the Saturday Man City at home to Burnley, um, and the Sunday sees the other three quarter finals where you've got Sheffield United against Blackburn Rovers, Brighton at Hove Albion at home to Grimsby. And Man United are home to Fulham as well. Yeah, it's amazing to be getting to this stage of the the campaign in the FA Cup and still having teams like Grimsby and Blackburn Rovers and Man United still in it. <laughs> I can see you winding up that joke <laughs> twenty minutes ago. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> for, for what I've read this week, um, Grimsby have sold their allocation for the for the Brighton game. I'm not sure how many tickets it was, but it's a fair few. Oh, they've got the full um, away. They'll be massive. The full away, and I think it's about five thousand, maybe five and a half thousand. Um, and it's, this is this is Grimsby's cup final. Yeah, and they've never never dreamt of reaching the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. And they play a Premier League team away from home, big crowd. You know, I, I don't think they'll get past Brighton. Brighton will be far too strong for them. But again, I said that against I said that with Grimsby and Southampton, and look what happened. So it's a free hit. Never rule anything out, but I would expect Brighton to win quite comfortably I think four home wins in the cup I think Brighton I think Man United I think Sheffield United and I think Man City yeah the draw for the, the semi-finals draw, would be interesting there's your bottom four the early yeah. final four yeah yeah I totally agree with that I think uh, Man City as good as Burnley have been this season Man City are just a total different animal from what they yeah. were used to Man United again at home to Fulham can't see anything other than United win there Brighton, as we've already alluded to, they'll they'll beat Grimsby. I can't see a shock upset there. No. But as you said, stranger things have happened. Um, the only other one that's going to be pretty tight is the Sheffield United-Blackburn, but yeah, Sheffield United should win that one, shouldn't they? They should. They That'll should. be a close one. That's probably the one yeah. that will be standout for being the closest of the four. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if Blackburn go there and win that game. wouldn't surprise me. Oh. But I, 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 I fancy Sheffield United. <laughs> There you go. Right, boys, I think that brings us to a performance of the week. Yes. I've not favourite part of the week. Have right. Who are we thinking? Right. Marty, we'll go to you first for your performance of the week. Oh, that's a difficult one this week. Uh ooh. I'm going to give it to Falkirk. I know that might make you unhappy, Liam, because you do like Falkirk. Oh, Falkirk. God. I actually watched that full game last night, and I fancied Air United, to be honest. The first 10 minutes, Air United were all of them scored early, and I thought this could be a comfortable night for Air. But Falkirk grew into the game, and they played some really, really nice football. In the second half, there was only one team in it, apart from the missed penalty, obviously. Uh, Falkirk played some really nice football, scored a couple of goals, and got themselves to a semi-final. And, uh, aye. I'm going to get to Falkirk. I thought they played really well last night, to be fair to them. Aye, Falkirk, that's my performance of the week. Falkirk. Shan? I'm going to give it to Martin Odegaard 
on an individual basis. Um, I think that captaining a title chasing Arsenal side who have been away from a, a real title race for years, being so young, having that pressure of being a young prodigy when he was younger, going to Real Madrid, coming to Arsenal, leading by example, getting goals, getting assists, being a leader, but it's only so, so young. And then even then, just individual performance by himself over the weekend away to Fulham. That's not an easy place to go. He handled himself well. He gets stuck in. He provides key passes and gets himself on our goal. I mean, I'm not really sure what... He's just so good. So good. So so impressive for somebody so young. So, yeah, Martin Odegaard this week for me, Buff. Yeah. Some might think he's been the player of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great shout, Sean. I think he's, he's been some player, hasn't he? My performance of the week, I'm going to go for Chelsea beating Leicester 3-1 at Leicester. Now, it's a result that you would usually expect. I think Chelsea, the fact that they've almost turned a corner. I like Graham Potter as a manager. I thought he'd done great at Brighton and I really want him to succeed at Chelsea. So I think the fact that they they almost seem like they've turned that corner now, um, winning last weekend, getting through in the Champions League, and the result against Leicester. I watched the game, and I thought they were they were pretty pretty comfortable throughout it. Um, yeah. So yeah, my, my mind's going to be for Chelsea. Good call. Right, boys, I think uh, we'll end the pod there. Thank you so much for your time tonight, um, nope. and we'll catch you, catch you next week. No, no boys, take care, guys. Take care, boys. See you later. Bye bye. Bye bye.